0: This is the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast with Steve Cypress and Everett Fornell. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. The most outrageous, controversial, racist, not racist, in-your-face, xenophobic, Islamophobic, white nationalist, racist, outrageous podcast in the history of podcasting, I might add. Speaking of which, I have with me someone who is none of those things other than he is outrageous, but he's outrageously fantastic. He's the world's greatest podcast host of all time, Mr.
1: Everett Fardell. You know, I just got to tell you, Steve, that all the other podcasters out there, all these people, they're a bunch of rapists and murderers <laughs> and criminals and drug uh, addicts. And I just really think that people need to wake up and think about who they're listening to because they're <laughs> listening to rapists and murderers and cop killers and drug addicts. And it's ridiculous. Well, look, we How don't race. know who
0: all these podcasters are, okay? if I, I mean, I haven't personally vetted every podcaster. So if 99% of podcasters are good people. That still leaves a lot of criminals.
1: You still have hun- thousands of criminals. There's probably
0: gang members who are podcasters and murderers, and we don't need that. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. What are you letting into your ears? What are you,
1: <laughs> dear listener?
0: We need to have extreme vetting with what goes into our ears, <laughs> which we actually do.
1: <laughs> yes, and that, that actually is true. You really do need to be
0: careful. <laughs> However, not in the way we're talking about. But actually, you know, it makes the point, needless to say, what we're talking about is this whole... Border, caravan, humanitarian crisis slash invasion, depending on which side you're listening to, that's coming to America, because they're all poor, displaced people that need asylum and just a better life, and even though they've said no to like several countries offering exactly that as they come through, they're such kind-hearted, good people that just are so needy that they refuse to the help and keep walking for weeks because they really just want to come to America. Well, However, yeah, I mean, what's so bad about that? And it, one thing is it tells you, it reinforces, in case anyone was wondering, that this is the greatest country in the history of the world and people just will do anything to come into America. On the other hand, we just joked about it, but of course you vet what you eat, don't you? I mean, once in a while you eat something and you go, ooh, that was a bad piece of something, or... That milk is four weeks old, or you spit it right out, and you get rid of it. Or you hand it, I, I love when you hand it to the person next to you, you, go, oh, this tastes really funny. Here, try it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, No, thanks. But we extremely vet, or we, we'd like to think we do, Although people eat a lot of hot dogs and stuff, we we think we extremely vet what goes into our body. We think we extremely vet what goes into our mind. If we have kids that are going to school, we want to know what you study today in school, what the teachers say. If you're going to a college, we want to go on the visit with you. We want to check this out. We want to find out where's this person going to live, what they're going to do. We want their friends coming over. If you have teenage daughters, oh my goodness, you get your shotgun ready and you want to extremely vet whoever's coming over to take your daughter out for crying out loud we we pretty much want to extremely vet everything if we're buying a car we take it for a test drive we check under the hood we come back we look again we read all the information we go onto the internet and read about i mean tell me i mean are people have a habit of just like not vetting things like letting anything in like oh you know uh i'm pulling up to the gas tank what, what grade of gasoline oh anything will do now throw some sugar and water in there while you're at it. I mean, I you know, whatever. No, I, I don't really care. You know, so if it, you if I you mean, throw in 99% gas and 1% sugar, I guess that's fine. Like come on now. And so this whole thing about, like, look, just do the math. The humanitarian side of this whole caravan coming up to America thing is like, oh, you know, these are women. So of course there are. And if 99% of these people are extraordinarily fantastic, hardworking, great, needy people that just need a home and they'll work hard when they get here and become part of the greatest and all that is And there's 7,000 of them. I can do the math. That means there's 71% that are not. So I don't know about you, but when's the last time you woke up and said, you know what I would really love today as an American? I would love if our border people were letting 70 criminals into the country today. That would be my goal for the day. I hope there's 70 rapists, murderers, uh, and 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 people throwing rocks and overrunning police and doing. I hope we let in about seventy of those. And that's if ninety nine percent of this caravan is ideally dream people, which of course it's not. So right. the whole conversation, I mean, it's total craziness. Of course we care about human beings. We get no, We're not racist because the last thing I checked, migrant was not a race. I mean these people are who i don't I don't even know or care what race they are they're coming to America and they want to storm in and I've seen interviews where they've interviewed the people and and of course some are they're, most of them are all like, I just need a job. I just need work. I can't get work. I need work. America's a great place. I hope they let me in. But then some people are throwing rocks at the cops and overrunning things, and then they're saying, well, but if you can't get asylum, then what? You go, well, then I'll just go in illegally. I'll do whatever. What? What is going right. on with that? Everett, I mean, well, is that
1: that's okay? No, I, it's not okay. And, and just a couple of comments. One, I don't blame them for not taking asylum in the other nations. They're leaving a shithole nation. They don't want to land in another shithole nation. They want to get to the shining city on the hill. I don't. Blame yeah, but
0: them. then they lose their argument that oh, we're just so downtrodden and needy. Oh, I know exactly.
1: The other thing is that I would take the liberals who want to just open up the borders and let them in. I would take them much more seriously if they would take three or four or five or six of them or something and let them move into their house, let them move into their neighborhood and live with them for a while, help get on their feet. That would, you know, and of course, the, if that were the prerequisite for requiring that we throw open the border, the, the gates and let these people in, there would be nobody calling for it, right? So, well, look. I've worked with business owners
0: for about four decades, thousands of business owners. One big complaint I get from a lot of contractors is that they're up against illegal aliens that come in and get a van and just say, we'll just go do work. We'll go do painting or drywall or landscaping or roofing or whatever it is. We'll just go do some labor and they they all all the business owners say the same thing they undercut their prices they do shoddy work and then they don't come back or they get deported or whatever they have to leave the country Would I always get called in to fix their stuff or, or I I hear from the property owners from homeowners they are like you know when the landscapers come over and I it's even happened to me like uh, oh can you move that over there the guys like, oh, I don't speak English hang on they have to get to the call up and talk to the company so somebody can talk to this guy and yeah. explain Please don't pull out that perfectly good tree and please put this over there. So this whole thing about these workers coming in who don't speak English and undercut—how how is that a great thing? If you ask me, what if this was 7,000 newscasters? They were coming in. We have seven thousand journalists that are coming in from another country, and they're going to come in and take journalism jobs all throughout the country. And they're going to only demand to get paid half as much as all the writers and TV pundits and cable news hosts. And that's who's coming in. Then I have a feeling you'd see a whole different impression of them from said journalists and media. Would we not? I am quite sure you would. I am. Quite Second sure. of all. And like you said, how many of these people... Now, here, let me put it this way. Now, I'm not comparing people to dogs in any way, but every time, every time I see a segment... On a talk show, the dogs, and they bring on the the dog, the rescue dogs, and they go, oh, you know, it's National Rescue Dog Day, and so from a lo- local shelter, we brought over these six doggies. Aren't they cute? Here's the number to call, and if you want to adopt any of these, and oh, just about every single time, either one of the hosts says, oh, you know what, I think I might have to take this one home myself, or the co-host says to them, you know, Joe, that one really loves you. I think Mary would be fine if you took that one home. I'll talk to her about. There's some kind Kind of joking going on in half seriousness and then once in a while you actually do hear someone say actually they follow up and they go you know i did take that dog home or it's a one-year anniversary they bring the dog out they go yeah this dog first came on this show and i rescued the dog myself that happens all the time it never, I've not, somebody please tell me if it's ever happened, but I've not seen it happen once, <laughs> no ever, on any of these cable shows <laughs> about any of these illegal aliens hopping the fence and going through the barbed wire and going through what an <laughs> overstaying. any of that. I've never heard one newscast to go, <laughs> I just have to take this guy into my house. We. we, we... Here's Hedra. We we adopted him a year ago. Well, like I said, it's not a straight comparison. I'm not saying adopt him. No, I'm I love just it. No, no, I
1: love it. I'm
0: happy. I'm, I'm just helpful. telling you. But I'm telling you in it. all seriousness, Everett. And I'm telling yeah. the listeners in all seriousness that my mom did that. That's what I grew up in. I grew up in that household. So for people who haven't heard okay. the story. My mom was a teacher of English as a second language and she was one of the first ever who helped develop the program in New York 50, 60 years ago. And so I grew up and it was always hanging around the house, living with us, doing everything was always people from all over the world, whatever war-torn Part of the world there was for those two or three years everybody seemed to be coming from over from there so it was coming for there was the Viet. in fact my uncle my cousin is a vietnamese refugee that my un- aunt and uncle adopted when she was two years old an orphan in vietnam from the war and brought her over and my my niece or my cousin because it's my my uncle's daughter so it's my cousin right. judith con swan cyprus is vietnamese refugee my mom we always had at least one or two people staying in the house. We had somebody painting something, somebody our babysitters, somebody fixing up something. My mom was always tutoring two or three kids after school at the kitchen table. I mean everybody from all over the world was always welcome in the house, and you know what happened ten fifteen or even even back in those days, we would go out to dinner in town or we would go out to a movie, and all the time somebody would come up and go, Oh mrs cypress you can 't pay for this and we and she 'd insist and we'd go, Who was that she'd go, "Oh, I had him as a student ten years ago. He was in my adult ed he 's from wherever didn 't speak a word of english didn 't have a penny to his name. I let him stay in till he got a job, I helped him get a job I taught him in. well this is we go to the movie theaters. The usher is saying, oh, no, you can't. Oh, we already paid for the tickets. Okay, we sit down. That didn't work, apparently, because he comes around with 400 pounds of candy and popcorn.
1: Like, here you go, <laughs>
0: Mrs. Cypress and your kids. Your money's no good here. I owe you my life. Everything. Is- this happened as I'm growing up my entire life. Everyone in that town loved my mom. She was always taking everyone in. Now, I watch these news shows on TV today, and I never once see anybody say, I want to hire that guy myself. I got work to do around my house. And I need a babysitter, and I need a landscaper, and I want to bring that people in. And, oh, that, that poor single mom with the two kids, you know, I got an extra spare bedroom, couple of rooms in the house. I got three homes, Barbara Streisand and Madonna and whoever. I got 17 homes. I'll let them stay in four of them. Like, you never hear that. What
1: hypocrisy. Give me a break.
0: Rant ended. That said it perfectly.
1: And if your mother said we should throw open the gates and let those people in, I would listen to her opinion because and we did, says, and that's and, what and she did. by the did. way, what a, what a wonderful woman she must have been to, uh, to do that. Oh, my mom is the people.
0: greatest, and so I am a, a legacy of my mom. I don't have, I couldn't possibly have a, a prejudiced bone in my body. Or th- I, I grew up with everyone at all at all times in the house. And like I said, every babysitter and there my mom would just dream up ways of paying the money to do something. I mean. It, People are people, and, and in fact, I, I, you know, we understand. People come from all over the world and come to the promised land. We understand. My grandparents came to Rikers Island from Russia during the pogroms. For people that don't know or haven't seen filler on the Roof, that's in Russia where the government was going around killing Jews and burning their towns, and my grandparents got the heck out of there. When they were kids, their parents got them out of there, came to America. But they came to Rikers Island, they signed in, They had a physical. The ones that wouldn't pass the physical, they put them back on the boat. You're going back. There was vetting going on. There wasn't. Oh, we're storming the boat. And then when they came, by the way, they went to work. They didn't say, "Now we need food stamps and welfare and housing and help." They came to be partake of the land of opportunity and to participate in that opportunity by giving value and working. And so I would, I'm all for throw open and let everybody in and whatever, but first you've got to cancel all the welfare programs. Right. Or you've got to <laughs> say anybody that comes in, they're never eligible for any of them. But that isn't right because maybe somebody's going to fall on hard times, and we'd like the social safety net to give them six months of unemployment benefits while they're looking for a new job, whatever. Huh? I oh, mean, the whole, the whole system is a disastrous mess. Right.
1: Well, and that really the case. But well, and but you know, here's
0: the thing: the politicians. Here's why the politicians, even the Republicans, refuse to give money to Trump to build a wall. They don't want to build a wall because it, it's calling their bluff. For years, for decades, they have said, "We will do immigration reform, but first you got to secure the border." That's been their BS line for decades. You got to secure the border because it kind of, you know, okay, it makes sense. You can't be revamping and giving path to citizen whatever and still have a porous border. So once we secure the border. Then we can start talking about path to citizenship for those that are already here if they pay back taxes or do whatever or pay a fee or who knows what. So along comes Trump and goes, okay, for once and for all, we're actually going to secure the border, and then you Republicans are going to have to step up and get involved in immigration reform. And so they immediately go, yeah, no, we don't, we, we didn't really mean that. So we will refuse to even fund when we have a majority in both houses, and we can easily fund this thing. We're just not going to. So the Republicans don't want to do it, then the Democrats want too much and this and that and that. It's never going to get done. We have a ridiculously corrupt government with a ridiculously bad immigration system, and the whole thing is a total mess.
1: Okay, so we have spent 20 minutes or so ranting about the people heading up. Well, let's just get right to the point, then. then. What's (laughs) the lesson learned for business? (laughs) Well, specifically, the lesson learned from Trump this week is that the Internet ad that they recently put out that highlighted a cop killer multiple time, a, a multiple-time killer, a cop killer, who had been deported a couple times and snuck back into the country and et cetera, et cetera. And CNN, of course, immediately said, oh, it's the most racist ad in 30 years. And if, it, it harkens back to Willie Sutton, to the Willie Sutton ad and under president but not
0: oh my goodness willie sutton ad that was not racist either what the heck is with these people
1: well yeah i mean let's make the point by the way that they didn't contest any of the factual information he had. They just said that pointing out the factual information was racist for some reason. So that's
0: that. Well, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Willie Harton was a criminal. Nobody cares what right. race he was. He was a criminal. <laughs> exactly, was a criminal. Dukakis let him out and he killed somebody. Who, who cares yeah. what race he is? What are you talking about? Oh, I'm pretty sure the dead guy didn't say like, well, you know... I'd rather be killed by a white guy.
1: Yeah, right? no, I, I doubt it. So here's here's the thing. What business owners have got to understand is that there's no question that Trump knew and his advisors knew that when they put out that ad and when he tweeted that ad out, that Internet video out, that people were going to start yelling and screaming and, oh, racism and this and that. But he also knew that the people who were going to do that were never going to vote for him. There's right. no way he, he, was, he didn't lose any votes by doing that. He may have gained some votes because some people may have looked at it and said, wow, you know, that's kind of right. We really don't want it. We really do want to know who's coming into the country. We really shouldn't vet these people better. And we really should stop the illegal border crossing. So now he gave a message, a controversial message that was going to make a bunch of people furious, but there were people who were never going to vote for him anyway, and who his base was going to agree with and who might get him some extra votes on people who were undecided, the future people are undecided. So my point is for business owners, you have got to be willing to offend the people who are never going to buy from you and not care about it, not think about it, not be concerned about it, not reply to it, not get upset about it, you have got to be absolutely willing to offend the people who are never going to buy from you. And in order to be more attractive, to the people who are gonna buy from you, right? So you get closer to your customer base or to your market. And the other thing that happens is that there are some people who may buy from you or may not buy from you, and you're gonna get them off the fence, right? So they're either going to become no's or they're gonna become yeses. And whether they become no's or yeses, every salesperson knows, what do you say at the beginning of a sales presentation, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Lipschitz, thank you for having me in. I just want to let you know there's no pressure. We'd love you to say yes, but if you say no, that's okay, too. You're not going to hurt my feelings. The only thing I ask is that when we get to the point at the presentation where you have seen and had enough information, you have enough information to make a decision. The only thing I ask is that you make a decision. If your decision's no, you're not going to hurt my feelings, but let's make a decision about what we're going to do when we get there. Does that sound fair? You want the people to make a decision. So if they become no, it's fine. If they become yes, it's fine. But be willing to piss people off. In order to get those yeses because that's what Trump did and too many business owners care too much about what other people are going to say about them. Well, because I mean,
0: that's easier said than done. I can just tell the listeners right now. I remember when I first was taught this concept that it's easier said than done because the business owner thinks, oh, I don't want to get anybody upset. Everyone that has a roof, if you're a roofer, everyone that has a roof is a potential customer. Not true. Not the ones that give you a hard time because you put out an ad and they squawked about it. I I once had a was it you ever you were telling the story of yeah, I think you were on an earlier episode a year or two ago and you sent someone around the gated community neighborhood taking photos of the damaged roofs and oh, yes, sent yes, a letter yes, and you true. got all kinds of complaints. Well, screw it. Those people weren't going to give you money. I so, I screw it. it. <laughs> You know, I saw one political ad on TV and it was a guy who was clearly a conservative and he was like, I love my gun and I love shooting things and I love whatever. And it was all conservative things that he loved. And the person that was showing it on TV, some liberal commentator was going like, this is the worst commercial ever. This isn't going to convince anyone. to, I'm disgusted by it, but this is going to turn everybody off. And I'm like, holy cromole. it Clearly, he doesn't care that it's turning you off. You're just making. You were never. What? you were never going to vote for him anyway. What? Well, tell me what? Tell me what ad Trump could have, could have put out that the liberals, the anti-Trumpers, would all say? Oh, you know what? I guess he's not so bad after all. I guess we like him. I guess we should end the Mueller investigation, stop talk of impeachment, and let's just go along with everything he says, because actually, now that I see that commercial, he's really a good guy. I mean, it's not going to happen, folks. So... That's the lesson learned from Trump, which even, it's really just scratching the surface. The real meat of this week's tip, the real advanced as always, but really super duper profitable money-making part of the tip this week is in our advanced tip, which as always, you just head on over to LessonsLearnFromDonaldTrump.com and you get the advanced tip of the week and then you really take advantage of this and you make a ton of money.
1: You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the internet today. If you
0: want to be a winner like Trump, make sure to go listen to the rest of the episodes and get our advanced tip of the week by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com and join us next time, unless you like being a loser. Some people do. Trust me.